welcome from Startown First Baptist Church. I am Pastor William, and we appreciate you uh, coming on with us this morning and spending some time with us this morning at Startown First Baptist Church. We're in the sanctuary today, so that'll give you a feel for maybe a little bit of a feel for being here at church. Once again, uh, we just appreciate you tuning in with us, and uh, hopefully we can uh, spend some time in the Word today and be encouraged by what God has to show us and tell us through His Word. Uh, let me just say that we've been praying for you, church, and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, new things we're experiencing and a lot of things we're hearing every day. Uh, we're kind of tuned in every day to see what has changed or, or what's improved or, or what's going on. As we do all that as, as God's church, we do that with faith and understanding that He is in control of all things, and uh, He is with us through all of this. So we're so grateful to Him. We want to just acknowledge Him this morning. Uh, he is worthy of, of all the good things that we can say about Him. Uh, he's worthy of all of our praise. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus, and uh, we're going to talk about Jesus as the King and what that means to us. So we're going to be in Zechariah a little bit this morning, Jeremiah, uh, also Luke and Matthew. So if you want to mark those places in your Bible, uh, we'll be going to those here in just a few minutes. But before we do, I want to open us up in a word of prayer. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. It's a beautiful morning. Uh, we're so grateful that we can gather together like this. Uh, it's, it's a great relief uh, from what we've been going through the past couple of days, staying at home, and, and uh, it's great to open up the Word of God together uh, and to meet together like this. We just appreciate it so much. We thank, we thank you for our sister churches that are, are doing all they can uh, to get the Word out and to get encouragement out to their to their fellowship, to their congregations as well. And, um, and Father, we just want all that we do uh, to point to you, uh, to show uh, people who you are and, and what you can do for them and what you have done for them and what you continue to do for them and for us. And we're grateful for all these things. Most of all, we're grateful for the sacrifice that was made on our behalf at Calvary. We're grateful that you rose again. And we're grateful that you're coming again. And we just pray that you would bless our time together today. Uh, help us to learn and grow together. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to talk about, as I've already mentioned, we're going to talk about Jesus this morning. And we're going to talk about Jesus as the King. And I feel like no matter what angle you look at Jesus from, uh, you have to see him as a winner. Uh, he is certainly a winner in the fight against our enemy. Uh, he's certainly a winner in the fight against sin, death, hell, and the grave. And we love a winner, and we love to back a winner, don't we? I mean, think about how we support our, our favorite teams. Uh, think about how we uh, like to tune in when our favorite uh, movie star or singer is going to be on television. We like to, to back people who are winning. And, and I think that we all have an innate uh, just desire. And there's something within us that causes us to want to get behind people that are winners. 
And what I think that is, is just this universal basic desire for everybody that is breathing right now to worship something or someone that is bigger than we are. We have that basic need to worship. And, you know, we, we want... Uh, we want to once again get behind those that are doing well and those that are winning and maybe those that are doing what we wished we could do and and again we're just wired for that type of feeling we're wired for worship the only problem is that if we don't find something that is worthy of our worship we'll end up settling for something that is unworthy of our worship and that can definitely be a problem. And that's why it's so important for us when, we, when things are normal. On the weekends, we gather together here and we have this inexpressible fulfillment and this great joy to be able to come together and to worship the one who laid down his life for us, to lift up the one that forgave us of our sin to to sing praises to the one who is worthy of all our praise and worthy of all of our worship and he has made himself known to us uh he has made he has made himself known to us as our redeemer uh, as our savior he has made himself known to us as our friend the messiah the anointed one and yes as we've already mentioned as our king and not just our king but also the coming king who is coming again and we're excited about that and we think about that and we talk about that a lot but i want to i want to talk about some scripture this morning that helps us to see him in light of being the coming king and what that means for those who know who he is and what that means also for those who don't really know who Jesus is, who's still asking that question, who is Jesus? And I want to jump off and I want to start with some scripture from Zechariah. And Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 tells us this. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey, and upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9, 9. And this scripture here is a prophecy that was fulfilled as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And it is also a reference to him as the coming king and as the promised Messiah. And as we get into the scripture and that we're going to be reading in Luke, we'll see that uh, and, and I want you to understand that the people that were there probably had a good understanding of who Jesus was based on prophetic scripture like we just read here. And Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem is something that we, we call the triumphal entry. And that is something that is celebrated uh, all across the world in churches all over the world, usually on Palm Sunday. The triumphal entry. But Jesus as the coming king is also another answer to that question that Jesus asked his friends and his followers, who do you say that I am? And we know him again as the coming 
king. I want to read some other scripture too from the Old Testament. This is going to come from Jeremiah chapter 23. The coming king spoken of in Jeremiah 23. Listen to this. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So I want you to understand that as, as Jesus was making his entry into Jerusalem, the coming king, that everyone there couldn't have had a full understanding of what Jesus' kingdom meant. They couldn't have had a, a full uh, understanding of the scope of what salvation was going to be. But what they did do is they clearly welcomed this rabbi into their city. And they welcomed him as king. And they worshipped him when he came in. And he accepted their worship and knowing, fully knowing, that the, that the shouts of Hosanna on that day would very soon become shouts of crucify him. He knew this and he understood this, this fully. And on that day... Many people had known him for a long time as he came into the city. And on that day, there were some people who had to ask who he was. But no matter which category you fell into, they all hailed him as a king. They all acknowledged him as a king. And they had a lot to learn about him, and they had a lot to learn about his kingdom. So today, that's how it may be for you. Uh, this morning you may have known him for a very long time you may know him as king you may even today still be asking that question who is this Jesus really who he is who is he uh, for me and as far as Jesus being the king you may not fully understand what that means but I want us to turn to the Bible this morning for the clarification that we do need to understand Jesus as king, Jesus as the king, Jesus as the coming king. And if you want to recognize him this morning as king, if you want to serve him as king, if you want to receive him as king, I want you to listen very carefully and I want you to open your heart and your mind to what we're going to be talking about here today. Okay. So the first thing I want us to see, I want us to turn, if you will, let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin reading with verse number 29. And as we try to understand Jesus as king, I want you to see how in this scripture we see people who were willing to do what Jesus says. If you are willing to do what Jesus says, you will understand and begin to know what it means to have Jesus as your king. So let's look at Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse number 29. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, and the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. 
And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye this colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. That's Luke nineteen twenty nine through 35. So we're thinking about doing what Jesus says. To understand him as king, do what he says to do. Now, in this scripture, we see him giving two disciples kind of a strange uh, little, little project, a strange little mission. And he says, I want you to go up the road a piece, and you're going to find a colt tied up there. And I want you to untie that colt, and I want you to bring him to me. And so we don't really know, uh, scripture doesn't tell us which two disciples that he asked to do this. Also, we don't really know uh, what the conversation was between these two disciples as they went about their task. And I can tell you that just knowing myself, um, and I think knowing other people, there were probably a lot of things that were uh, discussed on the way to get this colt. For instance, does he really mean for us just to go and take it, even though it's not ours? Do you think that, that maybe Jesus knows the owner of the colt? And, you know, what if they get mad and start swinging at us? You know, are we supposed to swing back? What are, what are we supposed to do? Don't really know what the conversation was. Uh, we just know that these two disciples were asked to do something, and they did it. And what was the result of all of this? Well, we're going to find out here in just a few minutes, but I want to point something else out, too, that I think is very important. We have a tendency uh, when we read Scripture, especially if it's Scripture we've read before and read a lot, we have a tendency to think that the people involved in the stories that we're reading knew what was going to happen. They had no idea. Uh, these two disciples didn't know what was going to transpire when they went to get this cult. They were just willing to do what Jesus asked them to do. And that is very important. They were willing to do what he said. And this, uh, this is also mentioned uh, in John, the book of John, chapter 12, verse 16. I want to read this verse to you. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. So again, they didn't, the disciples didn't really know how things were going to turn out. They just wanted to do what Jesus asked them to do. And his simple obedience, their simple obedience rather, those two disciples and their simple obedience turned into a great situation. God was glorified because of their obedience. The same thing can be true of you and me. And being obedient to God and the things that he has called us to, it can bring him glory. Who is worthy of glory? God is worthy of glory. We worship him and we give him glory. And in being obedient to him, he is glorified. To see how everything kind of works together and, and wonderfully and beautifully. So let's pick back up um, on verse 36 of Luke chapter 19. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice 
for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So what we see now is the streets were erupting in praise and the streets were erupting in shouts and everything was looking really, really good. And then we get to verse number 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. So if Jesus is king and Jesus is king, then you and I could do no better than what these two disciples in this story did. They did what Jesus asked of them. And they didn't have any way of knowing what was going to happen, uh, what the future was going to be like as they went about this task. They had no way of knowing. They just simply obeyed. And you know what? God has things for you and I to do as well. Uh, God, he knows what being obedient, our being obedient to him will involve. He knows what it will involve. He knows what our future looks like. Scripture says that he has good works already for us to do, planned ahead for us to do. So he's got some stuff for us to do. The question is, what is he calling us to do? I'm not sure that it will involve uh, going down the road and untying a donkey and bringing it back. I don't think that's, that's what he's looking for. You never know. But, you know, maybe this morning what he's calling for you to do is to, is to turn to him in faith and repent and turn from your sin. Maybe he's calling you to do that this morning. Maybe he's calling you to follow him this morning. We can do no better than what these two disciples did and do exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. Maybe he's telling us to forgive somebody. Think about that. Maybe he's asking us to help someone, to, to give something up, to take something on. Uh, maybe he's calling us to say yes to something. Maybe he's calling us to say no to something. Whatever it is, again, we can do no better than these two disciples who did exactly what Jesus asked. And I was reading about um, a story from a book called A Practical Guide to Prayer by Dorothy Haskins. And she was recounting a story in her book about a concert violinist who was asked how she became so successful. And she said that she used to have a schedule of things that she would do each day. She would go to breakfast. And when she was finished with breakfast, she would go up to her room and she would make her bed and she would do the cleaning that needed to be done and this and that and everything else that was on her list. Then after all of that, she would pick up her violin and she would begin to practice her violin. And she began to feel over time that she wasn't, she wasn't progressing and, and things were going as well as they could go with her learning how to play the violin. So she, she restructured her schedule because the most important thing to her was learning how to play the violin and learning how to play the violin well. So that's the very first thing that she did. And then after that, she began to do all the other things that she used to do. But she, she began doing, practicing the violin first because she saw that as a priority and as important. And then 
as she as she gave that the the importance that it needed and the time that it needed, she began to get very good at it, and and people uh, began to applaud her and uh, appreciate the talent that she had worked so hard on. And you know what I have to say about that is that that Jesus is asking us to do some things that are important. Maybe put some of the other things aside. You know, again, what is he asking us to do this morning? Maybe he's asking you to believe. Maybe he is asking you to trust. Maybe he is asking you to read and appreciate the benefits of reading the Bible. Is he asking you to pray? Is he asking you to make disciples? Maybe he's asking you to be not afraid during this time that we're going through right now and to trust again, to trust in him. Whatever it is, whatever it is that he's asking you to do this morning, I think you and I would be amazed how how a simple act of obedience, how a simple act of just doing what he's asking us to do will bring glory to him. Glory to Jesus. Glory to who? Glory to the king. So let's do what he tells us to do. We'll begin to understand and appreciate him more as our king as we do that. But what else can we see in the scripture that we're reading this morning? I think it's important for us to see how Jesus felt and also to try and feel as Jesus feels. Think about this for just a minute. Let's read in Luke chapter 19 again, beginning back with verse number 41. And when he was come near, he, held, he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this day, this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are all hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that mine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. So in that scripture, I think something happens that a lot of times we just kind of skip over uh, and maybe don't give a whole lot of weight to. And I think there's a danger a lot of times in our reading of just skipping over things and thinking that they don't really mean a whole lot. And some people read this this passage and don't even notice it because we get so caught up in the excitement of Jesus coming in and the crowds and the shouting and, and all of that that's taking place that we let this little detail slip by. And we're not the only ones that are guilty of this. Uh, from all indications in this scripture, the crowds didn't really notice what happened either. Nothing is mentioned that they made any reference to it at, at all. And as a matter of fact, Luke is the only gospel writer that recorded this instance in this particular story. And I think it's important for us to not let it pass us by today. And it comes to us in verse 41. Again, it says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. Jesus wept because he has compassion, and Jesus wept because he knew what was going to happen, and he knew what was going to take place. And so we might imagine Jesus as he's sitting on the donkey, and he's riding in the midst of all of this uh, worship, and all of the shouts, and all of the, the screaming going on, 
that maybe a little tear trickles down his face. And maybe that's why people didn't notice. But I don't believe that's the case because the words that are used here to describe Jesus weeping are words that mean that he sobbed and that there was maybe a gut-wrenching cry that was taking place at this moment. And it's the same wording that's used when you see Mary weeping at her brother Lazarus's tomb. It's the same word that is used when we see Mary weeping at Jesus's tomb. So this is not just a little tear here, a little tear there. This is just full-blown crying, uh, emoting, uh, just a lot going on in this area right here. And also probably in the chest area, heaving. He was sobbing. This, he was heartbroken uh, for a lot of reasons here. You know, he knew that very soon that these cries of Hosanna were going to turn to cries of crucify him. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by one who had walked with him and was very close to him. Uh, He knew that he was going to be denied by someone who walked with him and was very close to him. And he knew what was going to happen to to these people uh, in the years to come when uh, the emperor, when Titus would come and invade years later and and destroy the, the temple and brutalize the people, brutalize the people of Jerusalem. And all of these things caused him to weep. And he wept. And it's important that we see that, and it's important that we know that. You know, everybody else was having a party. And Jesus was here filled with compassion. Filled with compassion for what? For who? Filled with compassion for the lost. Because, you know, as we read in Scripture... It is not his desire that any should perish. It is not his desire whatsoever. He wants people to come to a saving knowledge of who he is and what he has done for them so that everlasting life will be a benefit that they can receive as we bow our heads and we bow our knees to him as our king. And, you know, this is just a this is a scene for us to remember that he does have compassion for us. And we should be quick uh, as, as his children to feel as he feels. We should be quick to allow the things that break his heart to break our heart as well. You know, think about this. There are those out there that are hurting and they're wondering and they're searching. And this is a time when that is happening on such a grand scale. You know, people are looking for answers. They're looking for hope. They're looking for peace. And, you know, knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus as our king, we have the answer to all the questions that our neighbors, our co-workers, those in our family who are searching for these things, we have the answer for them. And the answer is Jesus. Jesus is our peace. He is our peace in the midst of the storm. He is our peace on good days. He is our peace on bad days there is no one that can give us what jesus can give us in the way of peace and so many people in this day and time looking looking for that who haven't yet experienced true forgiveness who haven't yet experienced deliverance who haven't yet experienced peace 
or the freedom that a new life in Christ can bring. And we have this knowledge and we need to share this knowledge and we need to have the same mind that Christ had. It is not our desire that any should perish, but that all should come to a, a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. So we want to feel as Jesus feels. And the question might be asked, well, why? And I'm, I'm just reminded of the scripture that tells us that he knows how we feel. That he understands how we feel. Isaiah 53, 3 tells us that he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and he is acquainted with our grief. So he understands rejection. And Jesus understands loneliness more than anybody, I think. He is perfectly suited to help us with that. Perfectly suited. Do you think there are lonely people out there today? Do you think that there are are people who feel rejected today? Do you think that they need to know that there's a place where they can be accepted and loved just as they are? And they will be forever? We all need that. And the thing is, some of us already know that, and we're keeping it to ourselves. And we need to feel as Jesus felt. I want everyone to know. I want my friends to know. I want my coworkers to know. I want my family to know. And in love, I want to share with them who he is. Which brings us to the final point that I think we can see in this story that we're reading today. And, you know, we've talked about doing what he says. And we've talked about feeling the things that Jesus feels. I think we need to tell who he is. I think it's important for us to tell who he is. Let's continue with this story. We're going to finish this story. And we're going to read it from Matthew, the ending of the story from Matthew chapter 21. And we're taking it from the point after Jesus received the cheers and after Jesus received the shouts of the crowds, and after he cried over the people of the city, he rode that donkey through the city gates, and he was still surrounded by all these people. And then in verse number 10 of Matthew chapter 21, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So these two verses here, they tell us that the city was moved. Some translations say the city was stirred. And the Latin word that's used here is seo. And that's what we get our word today, seismic. In reference to earthquakes. So the city was moved. This was a great day. This was a great moment. This was a, a great happening in our history. And the city was moved. And that word seo is the same word that Matthew used later on in his gospel. Where he said that at the moment that Jesus died on the cross. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one says this. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. 
So the earth, so the, the city was moved and stirred in a way that it would also be shaken later by an earthquake. And this was all because of Jesus, all because of the king. And, you know, I think this movement and this stirring could happen in this city as well. What a time for that to happen and in what we're going through in this day and time. I believe that if we, the church, if we, the church, begin doing what Jesus says, if we, the church, begin feeling what Jesus felt, then we can stir this whole city. This whole city can be shaken. There's nothing that can't take place. All things are possible through him. And I think probably that's what this city's waiting for, you know? I think they're waiting to see if this Jesus, if there's anything to this Jesus that we make such a big deal about. They're wanting to know if he's real. Uh, they want to know if he really does care. They want to know if the people, you and me, that fill the churches and that sing the praises every Sunday and claim to know him are really any different. And if we know Jesus, if we have Jesus in our hearts and in our lives, we are. It's a stated fact in, in Scripture. They're waiting to see if God can really be trusted and if faith can really do anything. And I know many of you are there saying, yes, yes, he's real. Yes, faith can do something. Yes, he does care. And boy, we're so vocal in moments like this when we're sitting in our living rooms or in our bedrooms or wherever we are, and it's just us, and we're, and we're willing to almost shout as loud as those people in Jerusalem were shouting on that day when Jesus came through. But you get us out into a social situation, or you get us out into a, an opportunity for us to talk about Jesus, and we just kind of clam up a little bit. But let's do what he says, and let's feel what he feels so that we can go out and tell people who he is. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? You know, that people are watching us. They're watching us to see if we're doing what Jesus says. They're watching to see if we are feeling what Jesus feels. And if they see that taking place, then I believe they will ask questions. What's up with you? What's going on? And who is this Jesus and then we have the opportunity to do that last thing we talked about and tell them who he is tell them who Jesus is and we can explain Jesus to our friends and our family we can introduce them to him you know this is the prophet of Nazareth this is our Messiah this is the son of God this is the risen Christ this is the king who came this is the king who is coming. And this is the king who will come to anyone and everyone that calls out to him. See, we can we can explain Jesus. We can tell about Jesus the same way that we accepted Jesus with humility and love and grace and truth. And as a Christian, you can do all this knowing that the king is with you every step of the way. And he knows what he's called you to do. And he knows how you feel. And he knows that he can equip you 
to do the things that he's asking you to do. So, what is he asking you to do this morning? Maybe he is asking you today to take a step in faith and believe in believing that he is all that he said he was and that he did what he said he did and he did it all for you. Maybe he is maybe he is wanting you today to just bow your head, maybe bow your knee and invite him in. Invite him into your life. Let him come into your life as your savior, as the one that the only one that can forgive sin, the only one that can take your guilt and your shame from you and in exchange give you a new heart and a new life. Maybe he's calling you to that today to tell to to tell him that you need him, to surrender to him again, to allow him to forgive you of your sins and to let him be your king from this moment on. And then you can kind of start this process, too, of doing what he says, feeling what he feels, and telling other people what he has done for you and for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for our listening audience today, um, and I pray for myself as well, that we are willing to, to do the things that you call us to do, and that we are willing to feel the things that you felt. And that we are willing to tell others who you are. You have a purpose for every life. You have a plan for every life. And you are capable of giving us all that we need to fulfill these purposes and plans. And sometimes we go through things in life like we're going through right now. And it, and it seems like a big pause button has been hit. And we just kind of float from here on out and just kind of take it easy. But I believe that in this moment, in this time, uh, you are calling us to greater obedience. Um, and we are looking for new ways to communicate and to share with one another. And you have provided uh, ways for us to do that. Again, you take care, you take care of all the little details and everything that we need to do what you call us to do. So Father we pray for those listening today. That have been asking that question. Who is Jesus? And we pray that they have heard some things today. That will answer that question. And encourage them. Uh, to come ever closer to making a decision to follow Christ. We pray for your church who is hearing today. and uh, Maybe we've become a little... Uh, a little lazy um, about doing the things that you've called us to do in light of all that we're not able to do in this in this time. But Father, put within us and and stoke within us that desire uh, to talk about the goodness and the faithfulness of God through the good and through the bad. How you have been faithful in the past, you will continue to be faithful here in the present. And we are looking expectantly for your faithfulness in the future. Above all, we're grateful that you have compassion for us and that it is your it is your desire that none should perish. We thank you for that. We thank you for the love that that took you to the cross and the love that kept you there. 
and the love that brought you back and the love that's going to bring you back again one day. Uh, we thank you for all of these things. And we thank you that we can know these things. We thank you for your precious word. Father, we also want to pray for, for those in this congregation, uh, those who are homebound, and, and this is not really any different for them now than it has been. But I pray that they are being encouraged. I pray that they are receiving calls and that they are feeling loved and, and thought of during this time. I know that we have a lot of individuals who are sick. And we pray for their healing during this time. We pray for protection for our health care workers and our law enforcement workers. For those who are having to be out and about again as uh, on the front lines as we say. We pray that in their moments where they may feel weak or afraid. Uh, that they are that they think of your faithfulness again in those moments and your protection and your provision through all things and how for those who believe uh, we've got a great ending no matter when that ending comes to look forward to and that you're worthy of all praise for these things we pray for our country for the leadership of this country and the decisions that have to be made uh, help us to do our part in uh, trying to to squash this this virus out we pray that that it's we pray that it's gone uh, we pray that there are medicines uh, that are found that can combat this and fight this um, and uh, father more than that I pray that the fear that that seems to take residence in our hearts will be replaced by faith and all these things are possible through our king Jesus Christ who deserves all the honor and all the glory and all the worship that we can give. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you again for uh, meeting with us today. And uh, let's pray for one another. Let's reach out to one another by calling and, and making sure everybody's okay. And um, if there's any questions that you have or if you have any prayer requests, please text them to me or call our church and let us know what those are. And we'll certainly get those prayer requests out uh, so that everybody can be praying. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.